0: Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. Turn to uh, Mark. Mark chapter 14. We're going to spend a few minutes looking at this last night that Jesus spent with his people uh, and see it maybe through his own eyes. Mark 14, we'll start reading in verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here with me and while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here. Keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if, it, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let's go. Here comes my betrayer. This is God's Word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us insight into your Word, speak to our minds, comfort our hearts encourage our will to do as you desire as you've designed us in this world so broken so in need so dark thank you father in jesus name we pray amen um i remember do you, i i wonder do you do you remember the first time um and i'm going to ask this illustration i'm going to ask this you know you don't have to answer we're Presbyterians again. I don't ask. I don't imagine you're going to respond. But, um, and I ask this only from my own perspective. It, it may not be quite what you're used to. But, um, do you remember the first time you saw your father cry? Um, maybe you've never seen your dad cry. I remember the first time my father cried in front of me. My dad was not. My dad uh, was not. It's not. As, it's not as if he never cried. My father was. My father was willing to be vulnerable at those places. My father is. He's a wonderful man. He's. 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 Uh, he's. Uh, vulnerable and soft, and also very strong and bold. And he's a great hero, as as many fathers are. But uh, I do remember the first time he cried in front of me. It was. It was impactful. It's the first time I saw my father weak or first I mean, it wasn't the first time he was weak. It was the first time I noticed he was weak. Up until that point, and even after that, I mean, to this day, my my dad is one of the strongest men. I still hope to be like my dad when I grow up. Uh, But I remember, I remember sort of, it, it struck me as a child when I saw that it was, it was as if there's this sense of, oh my goodness, the person I depend on is weak. My stronghold is, is troubled. What do, what do you do with that? I share that story um, because there's a sense where when the disciples are with Jesus in this engagement in Gethsemane, up until this moment, I don't think they knew how weak he was about to be. They knew he was a man. They knew he was frail. They knew he took time to rest. They knew he took time to be away, to isolate himself, to find strength from his father. That was a regular part. Jesus was, if nothing, Jesus was vulnerable. Jesus was willing to be transparent. Jesus was not putting on a front in order that they would be, that they would put their trust in him. Jesus did not, he was not one thing at, you know, one thing uh, 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 and then another. He wasn't. He didn't. He didn't say one thing and then live a different way. He was the same person at every minute. But he did have a variety of life experiences that allowed him to to portray and to live the, his vulnerable humanity in a way that was engaging with the people around him. Certainly, they'd seen him cry before. He, cry, he cried at death. He cried at Lazarus' grave. He was, he was tender at the time when he, would, when he raised little children from the dead and, and would say, Talitha Kum. Talitha Kum. That's, that's a phrase a father would use for a, for a, little, for a, for a toddler Talitha Kum. Upsy daisy. That's what that means. They knew he was tender and weak. He said, "Bring, let the little children come to me. Don't, don't, don't despair them to, to be held back. Let them come. And he held them and he, and he, and he caressed them and he, and, he, and he blessed them in their presence. Jesus was tender. He was meek. He was mild. But I don't think they'd ever thought he was, they'd ever seen him like this. He had just taken them through a supper of the Passover they had just gone, they were just in the upper room, and Jesus had done some predicting. Jesus had done some, some uh, instructing at that table, uh, it, it was for him. He knew it was for him the, the last supper. It was the last time they'd be with him, and he's, he, he's trying to tell them at that supper, this is my last time with you. Something's about to happen. You need to know what, what's about to happen. You need to know that, that what's about to happen needs to happen, and that I'm not, I'm not surprised about what's going to happen. You're going to be surprised, But I don't want you to be surprised. I want you to be prepared. And everything about this, he was on the road to the darkness. He was on the road to the cross. He was well aware of what he was about to do because at no point was Jesus ever out of his own control. He says, I lay down my life only to take it up again. Jesus laid it down and he takes it up. He takes it up and he lays it down. Jesus Jesus is not taken by surprise. Jesus' life was not taken from him. Jesus' life was given. Everything that he was doing was something that was was necessary and was under his management. Make no mistake. And at that supper, he was gathering them to give them the last words he had, to draw them together, to say to Peter, Peter, something is about to happen to you, and you need to know what's going on. Peter says, don't tell me, Jesus. Don't tell me. I'm never, these guys, these guys might leave, not me. Jesus says, Satan is sifting you. Careful, my friend. Judas played his hand at that, t- at that supper. Dipped his bread in the, in the wine with Jesus. They exchanged a look and they knew what was going on there. Jesus knew what was happening. He says, go and do, go and do. They got to the supper, and they're about to have the supper. Dirty, Middle Eastern men about to sit down together, and nobody, nobody thought to, hey, like our custom, somebody should wash our feet. Who's going to do that? And everybody's looking around. I don't know if you've ever washed strangers' feet. Have you ever done that? you ever thought about doing that? Even right now, as you're thinking about it, How does it make you feel? makes you feel the same way I ever felt. I did wash people's feet. I was engaged to one of the people in the circle. Fortunately, I washed hers. Well, there were some people in that circle. I don't want to get... I'm happy to shake your hand. I don't want to wash your feet. Middle Eastern men in one smelly room in Middle Eastern heat, washing feet. And they're all looking around What about um, Jesus picks up the basin, takes off his outer garment, wraps it around his waist, grabs a, grabs a towel, and they all sit down and he washes. The master washes their feet at this supper that was supposed to celebrate him. He just, all these years, all this energy, all this time, all this, all this effort, All this sacrifice, service, selflessness constantly, day upon day. Jesus' power being expended all the time, never ending. And here he is at his final supper at his last meal where he's about to give. And even here, he's got to pick up the basin, find a towel, wash smelly feet. You know, there's something, there's only one thing more humbling than washing feet. You know what that is? Having your feet washed. (laughs) Didn't know that till it actually happened to me. It's a really uncomfortable thing. Because the whole time you're sitting here going, I can really do this myself. I really, this person shouldn't have to do this. I didn't trim my nails. I don't know what to say, I'm so, un- mort- I'm so mortified. And every one of the 12 of those, Judas included, felt that. From the man they'd spent three years who'd given them, given them, given them, nothing but given them, nothing but cared for them, nothing but expended his own life so that they would have. He was the helper. They were the havers. welcomes them to a table and said, if you want to remember me, this is the way to remember me. This is what I want you to do. This is the way. There's a lot of ways you're going to remember me. I'm going to give you my spirit that's going to bring bring me to your mind. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you, and that spirit will remind you of the truth and the things that I've told you and will convict you of the things that are necessary and will encourage you with comfort of the things that the gospel provides that's what my spirit will do but when you but regularly i want you to sit around a table with everyone with all the rest of my family with all of my other with all of my other children i want you what 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 i'm making us into what i am building what my kingdom is about is about a meal together we've got Everybody sitting around the table. I don't know about the meals in your family. I don't know about the meals in your family, the, the special meals. Maybe you're going to have a special Easter meal with some of your family, or maybe, maybe you miss those special meals because of the season, the time we're in with this isolated pandemic and whatnot. And the things you want most are to be able to sit around a meal together and pass the mashed potatoes and the ham or the turkey or the salmon or whatever it is you're eating and be able to laugh And be filled and be nurtured by the not only the food on the table, but by the but by the family and friendship that that goes around the table. And to enjoy the camaraderie of that. There is, Jesus says, This is what this is what I'm making. This is the family we're going to be. This is what I want us. And there's gonna be, it's gonna be crazy laughter, and there's gonna be brash leap before you look people like Peter at that table. And there's also gonna be people that are out to stab you in the back at that table. all along the spectrum at the table. And what you're going to be all feeding on, all what you're all going to be gathered around to enjoy is me. And you're going to find nourishment in having me. You're going to find thirst quenching by having me. you Your deepest thirsts are going to be quenched by having me. You're going to be be overjoyed. You're going to be thrilled. You're going to be inebriated with me at this table. this This is the feast I want you to have. This is what I'm making because of the forgiveness I'm going to provide for you. elements, leading them to this sense of connectedness, the sense, sense of necessary intertwining of lives. And then he leaves the table, and they go out into the night all together, and he begins to be troubled because now is the moment, now is the time where he has to leave them and go do what only he can do. And they cannot do what he's going to do. He must bear his own load which is actually your load and my load. It is, a, it is the infinite load of our sin and, and of God's wrath and judgment of it. That is, the lo- that is only the load he can bear. That is his load. But at this point, he says, there is something that, there is a moment here. There is a moment where you can help bear my load, Galatians 6 has this interesting juxtaposition of words and verses where it says, each one should bear his own load, but then later on, two verses down, it says, bear one another's load, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it's like, bear your own load, bear one another's load. Which is it, Jesus? It's both. But Jesus knew there was a load he, they could not bear. They could not go much further with him. They could not go beyond Gethsemane with him. But in Gethsemane, they could bear his load with him. They could be with him. They could be a part of that. And, they, and he said to the disciples, he said to the, to the eight remaining, stay here and pray at the entrance. And then he takes, the, he takes his closest friends, his, his confidants, his inner circle, his deepest, his deepest, Enriched friendships, and he takes them to the center, Peter, Peter, James, and John, and he says, Wait and watch and pray with me for an hour, would you? And they go, like anybody would say, Yes. And he steps aside and he prays the anguished prayer. The prayer with great, with great conflict of, of mind. We're not even sure what's going on in that prayer. There's so much in that prayer. There's so much, there's so much that's that's there, never without sin. Never, never, never was there any taint of darkness in what was going on in that prayer. But he prays his heart. He's going, Lord, I want your will done. I want it done your way. I want to fulfill everything that you've asked me and that I've promised to fulfill. But if there's any other way, as I look at this prayer moment, as I look at where this road leads, as I look at where this is headed, this is headed to a very consuming, dark, desolate, isolated, destructive place. Is there any other way? But I'll do what you ask. John says that he prayed so desperately that he was that his body his mind his spirit were so distraught and distressed it's it says that that he sweat his sweat was so saturated with his blood he prayed so deeply and he comes back to his three friends his closest friends friends he's known his whole ministry only to find out they weren't praying they weren't praying. They weren't taken up with his distress. They weren't empathizing with his struggle. They weren't able to engage the moment. They, could, they were not bearing the load they could bear with him. They simply fell asleep and figured, hey, he'll take care of it like he always does. And then one time they come, he comes back, and, he, and they did it again. And I, I love the honesty of Mark. I love the reality of the Scriptures. He, they just, he says they just didn't know what to say. What do you say when you let somebody down and they catch you letting them down? When they look you square in the eye and they go, you, did, you didn't, you did you didn't, you weren't there for me. What, and I, the honesty of it all, even though there probably was jabbering and mumbling and hum, humming and hawing, there was, they just didn't know what, what do you say when you let down the man who's done everything for you? He prayed it three times. And his father said, no other way each time. We don't have that in the text. But the lack of answer, the lack of response, and he calls him by the familiar name, Abba, my daughter, my daughter-in-law, refers to her folks by by the, the German familiar of their family, Mati and Fati. There's some friends who have children that refer to them their their grandparents, and they their grandchildren refer to them as Oma and Opa. Wonderfully endearing names. I you know all the grandparents here probably have very fun endearing names. You know. And he calls his dad Abba, Abba, Daddy. Is there any other way? And there's the silence says no, there's no other way. It has to be you, it has to be now, it has to be this. And he stands up on the last one and he says, "Okay, <clears throat> enough's enough, we're done." Other passages say that he then set his heart like flint towards the cross. The thing about this these passages, this 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 moment with Jesus washing the disciples' feet, the moment of in instituting the supper and gathering them around the table and, and then lo- guiding them into the, into the Garden of Gethsemane and praying with them. What Jesus is showing us in these moments, apart from the, very th- the things that we've talked about, is the utter irreplaceable value of the presence we need of each other in each other's lives. Even perfection, even perfected humanity in the person of Jesus was not willing to live without the presence of his friends and family in his life he, he was about to do the most isolating thing that any human could ever do, anybody could ever do. To be, to be cast off by God, to spend an eternity's amount of hell in three days. He was about to be rejected by his father at the cross when he cries out when the absence, when, when the absence of his presence is felt, the presence of God, the presence of God was, was taken away, was pulled back. Jesus cries out, alloy, alloy! It was as if his own soul was ripping apart. This is the value of presence. This is the value. This is what Jesus is telling us. And this is why this supper is so valuable. This is why Jesus, when he was leaving, he says, if I don't leave, I cannot give you the one who will always be present with you. Present with you. The supper is so critically multi-sensual. That's the value of presence. It evokes evokes the senses, the sights. It evokes the hearings, the songs, and the prayers, and the words, and the groans, and the tears, and the joys. We hear them. We see them. We touch touch the elements. We touch the the people that are around us. We, we We feel them. We know that they're present. There are times... I've shared with you a number of times that that our late elder Paul Trask, in a time in the early stages of church planting, when my soul was grieved, when my soul in the process of church planting and, and 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 embarking upon a moment of great distress in my life, he came and he sat with me and said nothing for hours with me, said nothing. While I went and did what I needed to do in preparation, while I lived in anguish, he anguished with me. He, he, he lingered in my presence. I knew he was there. I could see him. I could, I could have him. There was, Jesus says, presence is irreplaceable. I can call my mother every day. I don't. But if I did, she would be thrilled and also disappointed, as every mother would be. Because a phone call is not being near her. Presence is irreplaceable. A phone call, a Zoom, a letter, a text. The word on the street cannot replace tactile presence. Simply being with one another. Jesus says, that's what this table is. It's me being with you and you being with me and each other. That's what I want you to do often, as often as you can. Because even if you say nothing, even if you fall asleep in the middle of it, you're with me and I'm with you. keep on praying. Because I can do everything with you, and I will do everything with you and for you, but there is one thing you cannot do, and I'm going to go do that. I'm going to walk the road you could never walk all the way to the end. I'm going to be the only solitary, lonely man, the only isolated man where presence was taken away so that you and I would never, ever have to live without the tactile presence of a Father, of a Savior, of an Abba. That's what Jesus did, so that we might have it and experience it and share it and remember it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the value of the irreplaceable, exquisite presence you provide and that you want us to provide with each other. I pray, Lord, that as we see this in the the life of Christ, that it would shape us in our moments of isolation, that it would shape us in our moments of of desire to care for one another. Lead us to yourself, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.